Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Animus. Today we sit down with award-winning director, producer and actress Alex Austin, who is also one half of production house Hydroholics Productions. As you can imagine, we talk a lot about movies today. A lot. We also talk about Alex's short film, Wretch, which has been hugely successful, featuring in over 30 international festivals worldwide, including Germany, the USA and Brazil. I don't want to keep you guys from the episode too much, and I certainly don't want to spoil the film, but uh, Wretch is a super unique little uh, horror short. Um, definitely one for uh, hardcore fans of the genre. Um, and this chat with Alex was super, super interesting and uh, definitely a first for us. We've never had an actress or an actor on before. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Let us know what you think. And, uh, yeah, on to the episode. Animus. We're officially on air now. You have to occasionally move your microphone and drink coffee, and then you're you're now a radio host. (laughs) Yeah. Is it is it even a show otherwise? (laughs) So hello. Not a show without coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So hello. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. So we're here with Alex Austin, actress, film producer. What's the what's the word where you wear the motion capture? Motion capture suit. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I I would more describe myself probably as a filmmaker overall because I direct as well cool. so um, yeah it's just one of those things where I only really produce for my husband yeah. <laughs> so it's always that thing where if I say I'm a film producer yeah. everyone immediately goes oh my god do you want to make my film and I'm like I'm so sorry but um, <laughs> not today <laughs> but not today I'm more a director so. <laughs> and we also have text so if there's loud yawns the occasional grumble and if we all just seem really happy but a little bit docile <laughs> you know exactly what's going Slightly on distracted, yeah. the dog pet therapy is going on yeah the mm-hmm. collar came off because I knew he'd just be jangling the whole time. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Smart. <laughs> he was in the first few episodes and it was super distracting and super noisy. And then also, he's allowed to be today if he doesn't jangle. <laughs> so. That seems fair. Like, genuinely, we need, we need to have like cameras set up because I, I feel like he's the content. And this yeah, is what everyone yeah. else is going to say. That's what they really want to know about. That's what they want to see. Well, yeah. I'm happy he's here anyway. <laughs> awesome. That's good. So, how are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, just a bit bit knackered uh, <laughs> but like in in a pleasant way just had good. a really good like workshop thing yesterday so um yeah things are things are going well good um a lot of work going on which is really unusual for having just come out of january i know it's usually very very dry for people so i was really happy to have done a bit of work yeah that's so good things don't seem quite as bleak <laughs> but cool. it's like you just have to go with the flow don't you yeah. freelance lifestyle yeah oh, the dream okay. I, was, I was gonna say it's like it's it's one of those things where it's everyone's sort of aspiring to be like I'm going to be my own boss this is going to be cool this is going to be great and there are we sort of talked to a few people and there's like every now and again it gets a little bit rough and then sometimes <laughs> everything is magical it's like yes. oh this is great why like, was I concerned this is life yeah. yay I love it and then you're like oh god staring <laughs> yeah. into the abyss here we go again <laughs> yeah we had a we had a, an author and illustrator on a few weeks ago who um, was, uh, was definitely a highlight episode and he talked about his transition from kind of like sort of nine to five to to kind of one day a week and and working for himself he was like those first few months i was just sort of staring at my screen like oh god what have i done (laughs) and then then he had the kind of moment it was like oh thank god for that yeah 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 yeah. but uh, yeah and imagine that's for that's the same for everyone it's kind of i can't imagine there's a lot of middle ground in it Mm. imagine it's 100 miles an hour is zero yeah i think it's just really important for everyone to realize that everyone's kind of in the same boat we were kind of talking about this in the mm. car on the, on the way here um, in terms of like this idea of not seeing other 
freelancers and creatives as like necessarily your competition but like you know your fellow creatives and yeah. like supporting each other and in, in any way you can really um because otherwise you're gonna lead a pretty sad and you know bitter existence yeah. <laughs> so it's just better to be like hey good for you man and like how can i help and then they might help you and it's yeah. all yeah. i think it's all about genuinely who about who you know yeah um and and relationships yeah, that you've got the other thing as well, like, I would have thought specifically in filmmaking, there's been very few times where you turn up on set, you set up the lights, you set up the camera, you press record, you get in front of the camera, you, everything's collaborative. It's all about working together. And if you're not building teams and relationships mm. and friendships, it's, it's either not going to work or it's going to be pretty miserable because you're bumping up against everyone sort of like, oh, sorry, I'm the most important one here. Just, just in case you forget, it's, mm. it's all about me. Yeah. In an ideal world, yeah. But I think that another thing that's really become more common recently is that idea of being more self-sufficient yeah. so it's very but it is also it's important to know the skills so that you know what to do in an emergency kind of thing yeah. so it's nice to be able to help yourself kind of thing but i think it's also very easy for you to go well i can just do everything myself and then the the creative process will be all in one line and the red thread will be everywhere and that's fine but in the meantime you can end up isolating yourself a little bit too much yeah. um, and also projects just take forever so that does not help <laughs> as a, there's a, a quote I can never remember it properly but it's something on the lines of you can get somewhere faster alone but you can go further together and it's oh, sort of yeah, yeah. I, I just like the idea I mean, if you are working on your own I mean it's certainly it's like 2020 you can do the entire thing all by yourself but the day's going to get longer and the night's going to get shorter and again you're not going to be a super happy person at the mm. end of it I mean, it is possible as long as you are kind to yourself and do it over a longer period of time. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I really loved reading about recently was Darwin apparently wrote his entire thesis on, you know, the evolution, um, like all in one go, apparently. But then it took him another 10, 12 years to actually do all the research get all the stuff together yeah. actually make the book happen yeah. and then there was another thing that i really loved about it actually is having this idea that you don't just need to focus on one project at a time you can have your like comfort project that you can go back to so with him it was earthworms yeah so he worked on this like he'd have his study and he'd have his earthworms um in this study and he'd play the oboe to them to see what would happen and all this kind of stuff and he did eventually, actually, it, the idea behind it was that it wasn't something that he needed to get done or that was particularly urgent. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't even necessarily have like a finished product in mind or that he was going to publish anything. But then, you know, 44 years later, he did publish something <laughs> about it because yeah. he was like, oh, yeah, like I found something interesting in this. But it was also kind of a hobby. So like finding like that yeah. middle ground between the two and being able to and it actually makes you more creative apparently switching between projects instead of going oh I must finish this thing <laughs> yeah. is that classic like writer's block thing for instance where you're staring at the blank page going oh, the, the little stripes going blip, 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 yeah. blip, and you're like <laughs> just no it's stop so yeah yeah I just always love that that's actually amazing because we've, we've talked previously a little bit about sort of dipping in and out of things we talked about going like I'm not really an exercise person. He's an exercise person. <laughs> but the idea of breaking away and doing something else that becomes sort of the anchor in your life, where it's like if everything else gets a little bit hazy, you know this mm. thing makes sense to you. Yeah. You can return to it. And then you can kind of, if you need to, you can find yourself in it and then go yeah. back. Um, and also 100%. with it not being, with a lot of kind of creative stuff, especially in 2020, there's always like a, 
a small kind of business aspect to a lot of what people do sometimes for a lot of us i think it's not just a hobby like if we're an actor or a writer like there's usually a kind of career goal somewhere in there um and i think a lot of kind of like entrepreneurial people say that you should always have something that's not your business like you should always do something that you just want to do because you want to do it um and yeah like like you say kind of like most of my best ideas and most of my speed texts to you (laughs) come when i'm just at the gym and i'm like oh i've had caffeine (laughs) so yeah yeah i think it's just yeah not having that pressure on it all the time and like not losing the love for the creative thing that you do so it's like you could find a hobby within the professional thing that you do that's separate from your general work so i think that you know allowing yourself to have that is quite important um but also not seeing everything that you do. Because I know that I had this with acting. Is like, I was like, oh yeah, I'll learn an instrument because that would be really useful for me as an actor or whatever. And then the pressure of it having to be for my acting actually ended up discouraging me in the end. Um, so yeah, I never did learn the guitar in the end. Uh, <laughs> but maybe one day. <laughs> Again, it's so we talked briefly before about how different experiences you have start to pour into these different parts of your life if one one thing that sort of so we, we've done we're in a, a band together i've cut a couple of videos knowing about music means that i know about beats and by doing beats i know how to cut video by cutting video you start to get more of a, a rhythm these things that seemingly don't connect start to pull together but then it comes from somewhere organic if you're like well i'm definitely gonna have to do this today otherwise <laughs> that, that that's it because i'm gonna need this for a role tomorrow it goes from something that you're passionate about and like you say it turns into something like that's a lot like work that's a hell of a lot like work and when you sort of see the instrument now it's got to be like i remember when i stressed myself mm. out over that yeah. yeah yeah definitely but i mean i'm i'm kind of the same way where you know i started off acting and acting was the only thing i ever wanted to do as far as i was concerned Mm -hmm. and then um i was at drama school and i ended up doing a 48 hour film project uh, which is where you uh, for anyone who doesn't know you write shoot and edit a film over the course of 48 hours Mm -hmm. um and i did this with my now husband time boyfriend um and that kind of ended up being my film school and i did a couple of them and it was just really fun and i enjoyed the process of it realized that I could actually direct I was like what me oh I guess yeah well I mean I like it so why not and I understand actors which you know a lot of a lot of directors don't to be honest so it's like that's a that's a plus um and so yeah and then that's how I kind of came to came into filmmaking as well and then filmmaking as I learned how to edit and then I was able to edit my own show reel so then I didn't have to like you know spend oodles of money on that and yeah all that jazz and it's just like all these skills that end up helping you in ways you wouldn't even realize even for like day job stuff yeah you can just be like again now i know how to use photoshop haha <laughs> and you know they won't necessarily expect you to but sometimes they you know someone might turn around and go oh we need to like you know create this thing and i'd be like oh well i could do that and they're like oh okay that'd be super useful great yeah. and that's how you can kind of ingratiate yourself to people and it all sort of flows into one thing. But what I thought it was quite interesting what you were saying about, you know, oh, and then it turns into work. But, like, in terms of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. especially with, like, editing and all that kind of stuff, like, the idea, sometimes when, when you just really like something and you're good at it and it's for, like, a passion project or something like that, it's, like, it's just something you keep working on and it doesn't necessarily feel like work. Like yeah. when you get into that flow of just going, well, this is, as you say, the thing I just got to do to make things work and tick over is it 
it's a lot easier to do than the stuff that you don't like doing. Yeah. Uh, like the day job, and you're like, hmm, I'll just uh, reply to this email that's not got to do with work. <laughs> because this is more fun. But then, yeah, in terms of like prioritizing things, like all the stuff you're doing really is work, mm. which helps. And you might feel like you've done nothing by the end of the day, but actually you've been doing loads. Yeah. Again, sort of going back to the conversation we had with that illustrator, over the course of his first sort of few months setting himself up, he was constantly creating art and he was sort of like, this isn't getting anywhere, I'm not getting any traction, this doesn't seem to be happening. And then when the day did come and somebody reached out and the conversation started about progressing this into something that was to be published, he was then able to turn around and say, well actually over the course of the last three months I've done these hundreds of pieces and here's my back catalogue. And in the time where, again, potentially you feel like you're not making the steps, maybe you are sending emails at work and you're like, this is, this is what I'm doing. If you're refining your just your own communication process than when you need to talk to an agent, when you need to talk to somebody who is involved in the process rather than being like, you're right, mate, how's it going? It's more <laughs> yeah. of a, hi there. Uh, I'd like to inquire about, you kind of, you create mm. that kind of, again, these, these little like tiny things that you take for granted will probably come up and be useful at some point be again. like, hey, it's January, I need a job. <laughs> Anyone, please let <laughs> please, me know. Uh, and in an ideal world, I think you have a catalogue of people where you're like, well, this is the kind of work I want to do right now. And these are the people who could potentially get me that. And just, you know, I think there is no shame in just asking because yeah. I, I very much believe in don't ask, don't get. Yeah. There are better ways to ask than others. <laughs> but generally, like, putting yourself out there is never a bad idea. Never. Because the amount of times where I've been, like, even just last week, someone was like, oh, there's this, like, cinematographer's expo going on, um, the BSC you know, you said you're interested in lighting, it might be interesting for you to go, and there's these one-on-one one -on -one chats that you can get as well if you write in early enough. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I won't get who I want anyway. Oh, like, you know, it'll be a bit, it'll be pointless, yeah. and uh, do I really want to spend my Saturday doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, you know what, over the last couple of months, I've just been going, anytime I've gone, you know what, oh, maybe not. Mm. I've just gone, you know what, just try and see what yeah. happens. Um, most of the time, 10 out, but nine out of 10 times, you know, you'll get a rejection or whatever, but at least you tried. Mm. And then that one that does come through is great. And then I did end up having like a chat with someone um, at the expo who's worked on Top Boy and like some really cool stuff and who I would have never got to have met otherwise. Yeah. And she was actually really inspirational and really like also really supportive of what I wanted to get on with yeah. um, and do because we were talking about lighting and all that kind of stuff. And I'd sort of talked about, you know, potentially wanting to move into lighting so that I could work on sets more, so I could see the process and all this kind of stuff. But I was very much talking about going to a higher level of like TV or film. Yeah. Um, and she said, well, the reality of that, and that's why these check-ins are really good because she's actually someone who works on these sets. Um, the reality of that is actually that you know, the bigger the productions get, the more you're siphoned off to the side. And she said you're actually better off doing assistant directing or even just trying to shadow. And to be honest, if you actually really want to be a director, you just have to go and direct. Yeah. And she's like literally the second professional person that I've spoken to fairly recently who said, mate, just like, just go direct. And I'm like, but that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> and that takes lots of time. And da, da, da. But it is actually what I want to do. And yeah. I think sometimes it's weird how hearing from strangers what you want makes you want to yeah. do it more and like it's that classic thing where 
um, my husband Keir is also a filmmaker and he's constantly saying just direct something just do the thing yeah. <laughs> but because it's kind of like more constant it's like oh I love that you're so supportive and da 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 but it doesn't always give you the kick up the ass that you need um, whereas sometimes when you have other people peers who don't know you very well yeah um, but are but see your work and go you know what yeah just go for it yeah then you're like oh that's that's really nice and also oh I should really get get to it you know yeah. <laughs> I've been putting this off just jumping back to the kind of the concept of sort of kind of being multi-skilled but mm. having stuff that maybe doesn't directly feed into your particular passion obviously as Mikey said we're we're kind of in and around the music industry and one thing that's cropped up in the last sort of 10 years is kind of self-production so way back when you would have a band they would write songs they would go to a studio and there would be a team of people that would make it happen but now it's so much more common for bands to just do it themselves mm -hmm. and not just you know press record on a on a dictaphone like high level kind of like major label productions yeah. um and that was never really a thing and mm -hmm. like the last sort of 10 15 years you've really seen it kind of come out and now not to get too kind of nerdy but the sound of music especially kind of in our genre has changed because of that yeah. because mm -hmm. the level of production has jumped up so much because all of these guys and girls in bands are kind of producers or engineers yeah. or mix engineers or you know work in a mastering studio um and again it's kind of one of those things where well if you want to be the world's best guitarist you don't need to know how to produce music that's, that's got nothing to do with the actual the actual craft itself but by learning this extra skill, it kind of helps helps you, it helps your band, it might help mm. your, your products, like your record or your songs, mm. and then everyone kind of climbs up together and it's just, uh, yeah, it's been interesting to kind of see that happen. This yeah. sort of group of kind of bedroom guitarists that kind of just filtered out into the world, and, or bedroom producers, should I say. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of everyone's like, oh, maybe I could try that at home. And then suddenly you realise that actually I'm really, really good at that. And then that inspires someone else to do it. And then suddenly you just get this Definitely. community, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where that comes from because I think in the film industry it's quite similar. Like more and more people are making shorts. It's quite common for people to be able to self-produce and self-create stuff. And I don't know if that it's the same with you guys, where it's just a case of cameras have become a lot cheaper, and mm -hmm. um, it's become a lot cheaper to make stuff, which is why you know you've got so much more uh, access accessibility, I guess, to being able to make stuff. Um, I don't know if that's the same for you guys or if, yeah. if it's just or do you think it comes from like a pressure of expectation of you have to make you know studio level stuff yeah otherwise no one's going to take you seriously I think it's kind of half and half I think um even for young bands now if you don't sound like your first demo was on a major label then no one really takes any notice like right. you can't like when we were not not to give our age away but when we were kind of coming up you could get away with like a really terrible recording and your mm. mates would listen to it on MySpace and used to be the biggest thing in your mm. local town. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But now like you kind of have to sound like you've spent $10,000 on a single song. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, the best way to do that is just to do it yourself instead of actually spending yeah, your money. Because God knows we can't afford it. Because um, I never actually saw, oh, sorry, I never actually heard um, Lily Allen's original mixtape thing on MySpace, but yeah. I was reading her biography recently um, and she was talking about coming up on that. And I'm, yeah. I'm probably, I'm, I mean, obviously she's got some connections, so I think she probably did record it somewhere fairly professional, but I, I don't know if you happen to know, but I think there is this idea of things used to be allowed to be a little bit more rough and tumble. Yeah. Um, and I think some people, like, 
it really depends because I think it's not to scare anyone off either, I don't think. It's like, if you can't do it, but you still have something you want to say, still have something you want to show, then you should just start doing the thing. And even if it is a bad recording initially, that yeah. just means that, you know, you've done it. Yeah. And then if you want to take it to the next level, or you feel like you need to take it to the next level in terms of quality, then you still can. Yeah. But sometimes just doing the thing is the most important step because I think if you're starting out, um, I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's like a barrier, I think almost. And I think that's been the same for me uh, with films sometimes is I'm like, oh no, but like if I make a short film, it has to look like it was 50,000 pounds, um, even though no one, or well, most people don't have that money mm-hmm. or those contacts or however you put it together. Um, but I think there is something to be said about just like, especially just when, when you're just starting out, not everything needs to be made for the public. Yeah. There's something I've been talking about a lot actually with Kia recently. Um, it's just this idea of, you know, you have to make some shit before you can get good as yeah. well. But I think with social media websites, all this internet presence needing to be seen to be doing things all the time, I think there's a real Uh, feeling of needing to just any work you do needs to go up immediately and I think sometimes you develop better by yourself because otherwise you're instantly putting yourself into the crossfire of like criticism and then if everything if you've just bared your entire soul online and someone rips the shit out of you (laughs) um you're not going to feel great afterwards. You're not going to want to keep going. And I think sometimes you've just got to allow yourself some time to grow um, and pick and choose quality stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think you also take more risks. Do it like if you kind of... Exactly. If you're doing it for you and you know that you're the only set of eyes or ears that's going to hear it, mm. then you're probably you're probably more likely to be a little bit more experimental, which might you might end up landing on gold. You might not, but you might be like, actually, do you know what? I'm really good at that. And I didn't, I didn't realise I wasn't expecting it. Whereas if you're kind of what's the what's the word when you you constantly make stuff for an audience yeah um you're you're probably not going to do your best work you're going to do what you think Think, they want or whatever it is yeah yeah you project a lot as well i think you're going i think even with people who are more established and they have followings and all this kind of stuff i think they can often think get themselves into a a rut of going oh but what do my followers want to see what do what does my label want to see what does this that and the other and like really you're better off just going away and not sharing everything (laughs) like yeah i think you need a control group to a degree though because i think there is there is times where you can sort of follow a rhythm or a thought down a a rabbit hole and then you get to the other end and if you just had someone part way through the journey it just sort of went maybe just try this then potentially you could have got where you want it to go oh yeah oh god yeah no i would totally agree like um that's definitely an important part of it. I more mean, I'm very much talking about the public Rather and strangers. World, yeah. So, but like, yeah, keep still keep things to yourself for a little bit and don't let them gestate and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah you need to have like friends and yeah. fellow peers that you whose opinions you trust. Exactly. But that. also, it's really important for them not to just be yes men. Yeah, nice people are not useful. In they they really kind of aren't. I yeah. mean, of course, when something is amazing, you should say it. But I think. It always kind of needs to come in the wrapping of constructive criticism yeah. because you can go oh well this bit was really good and i think just as an idea 
what would it because yeah. you know again two two minds are greater than one and they'll see something that you haven't yeah. seen it's and that's what's beautiful about it really i think there's a terrible i spent some time working at a college and there was a terrible term i picked up from the teachers so i definitely didn't pick this up from the teachers it's called a shit sandwich uh-huh you start off with a compliment yeah then you feed in the information that they need to know and then you close with a compliment you sort of tell them that this is fantastic i really like what you've been going for there your edit needs some work. It's the case that the beats aren't right and I'm, the, the audio just isn't quite what I'm expecting. And audio is half the, half the story. But also I loved, I loved, the, I loved the story itself. Mm. You, you, you have to be able to, because that also, talking about being vulnerable and putting yourself out online, people are horrible. That's, <laughs> yes. the, the real world is, is not a pleasant place. You need to build like a little bit of the husk. But I think a perfect balance between having that control group that you trust and also allowing yourself to to be creative and be yourself and especially if we're talking about doing things with without this like thousand people crew your voice is going to be more present than ever especially if you're doing as many things as you can around the set so you have to be able to trust that and trust your own vision without letting people's constructive feedback necessarily stop you from being you mm. oh and there is such a thing as too much constructive feedback yeah. as well like you need to have you also need to know to take everything with a grain of salt um, because, I mean, I've, I've known plenty of people who ask for too much feedback, say, on a script, mm -hmm. and then they get so confused and, like, so, like, dependent on other people's ideas that they end up losing what they had originally. So you could say to them, like, I like the general, st I like the general story, I think this, this, and this could change, and then someone else comes in and says, Oh, I think the whole thing's pish, turn it upside down, put some flashbacks in it, and then it'll be golden. Yeah. And then you're kind of like, well, what do I do? And then the whole thing just becomes a pile of steaming poop sometimes. Yeah. And then, you know, it just kind of depends on, if with that kind of person as well, like sometimes it just depends on who was the last person who spoke to you mm -hmm. as to who you yeah. whose opinion you end up going with. And that's fine too, as long as you are happy with it at the yeah. end of the day. But more often than not you just kind of feel like you were bulldozed and you go wait i don't recognize this exactly at all yeah yeah i think yeah if it is the case that i think it's what you hear mostly about sort of major we, we were sort of talking about the the fact that independent film is on the rise in the same way that independent music is there'll be a budget budgeting component there'll be a scheduling component but there'll also be the fact that a major studio will say that oh, I need this to reach a major audience. It needs to be an action film. Or, mm. Oh, like, yeah. yeah like these, oh, 100%. Yeah. These two it's, characters, it's either yeah. one to five million or a hundred million. Yeah. You don't really get like films that are made for 50 million anymore unless it's like an established filmmaker like Steven Soderbergh or, well, David Fincher is like really, really expensive. So let's not talk about him. Yeah. But it's like the kind of projects that they're making, for instance, Christopher Nolan with Tenet coming out, um, that was quite expensive but in terms of the kind of film that it is it's not your marvel it's not your you know ip thing it's yeah. an original story yeah. and that's quite rare to get now um like when you think about the oceans films uh with steven soderbergh making those like those were more like in the 50 million region so still quite expensive for what they were well mm. not expensive but like you know high budget for what they were yeah um in terms of the genre of film that they were uh, and they're still doing pretty well, uh, but everything needs to be a billion now at, on that kind of money, like 50 to 100 million, like it has to be, oh, 
it's a billion or it's a flop. It could make its money back and loads more, yeah. but it's not good enough, basically. So it's it's kind of a struggle because, um, you know, especially independent filmmakers are being asked to make stuff quite cheap, but still achieve mid-level yeah. kind of like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. And I it'll be interesting to see if that changes at all uh, over the coming years. Um, but again, like there's so much potential in like TV, and I think that can really help bolster people's like CVs in the sense of if you do a couple episodes on a Netflix show or whatever, that can then help you connect to well, a in the Netflix family. So the Netflix family are probably <laughs> very likely to get you funded anyway. Yeah. Once you're in, you just like I see actors cross over to different Netflix shows all the time, and I'm like, oh, I see what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's it, is again what we were talking about in terms of relationships. That's really what you need to rely on and you need to know what basket to put your eggs in yeah. <laughs> to an extent. Because, yeah, you have to be fairly selective or you'll just keep making stuff off your own back and running up credit credit like card debt and like yeah. that's not what it's meant to be. Like yeah. You are hoping to make a living out of it ultimately respect is not enough i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> we um we uh, spoke with a guy uh, i don't know where this is in the timetable but um, <laughs> episode four we spoke with a guy that runs a comic book shop and we mm. were talking about the the first spider-man films the big kind of budget sort of yeah. early, early to mid 2000 ones mm. and we're talking about how the first two as far as i'm aware were like super well received and i think for the director they were passion projects um and this guy was saying that he was they were his kind of favorite and then when it came to the time to the third film, the studio had a big hand in it. Mm. Um, and they were kind of ma- bringing in characters that they thought the public kind of wanted um, and that the director wasn't particularly keen mm-hmm. on. Um, and but now, they insisted because they were like, well, we've got you this money. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's always it's always like this push and pull. Yeah, and then the film is kind of laughed at mm. <laughs> many yeah. years later. It's not, certainly not a, considered yeah. a classic. And it's like, it's that balance between... The, the you know the budgeting and the marketing team at a, at a uh, studio um but then also your goals and what you think is right and just kind of yeah. trying to find that balance and obviously one of either can be <laughs> too much of either can be a problem yeah it's just so funny with like the whole ip thing like um in terms of marvel and dc and them doing this same thing over and over again basically clearly it's working otherwise they wouldn't do it but i'm kind of hoping that people start thinking the same way as me in the sense that like it just seems really old now like I remember when I saw the X-Men movies like that that was like a really geeky nerdy thing Mm -hmm. to be into and like wasn't necessarily cool but I loved it and I was like this is so cool I can really associate with these characters and just as time's gone on like this is just an oversaturation of that and again like the lack of original it seems because there's so much of it you just go well this doesn't seem original anymore this doesn't seem new or fresh yeah and i just yeah i kind of hope that i feel like audiences are starting to go you know what actually maybe maybe something else would be good which is why i think say something like even aquaman did a bit better just because it was so like wacky and out of the box um and you know there's people who don't like that movie either fair enough but at least it was a bit different I think that's I think it's a fair comment to be leveled against it because the the Marvel formula at this point is 
guy goes off and does something he's with a mate that his mate then gets exactly the same thing that he's got <laughs> they fight in the third act and it's a bit like okay I will still pay my money I will still go to see this film but there is definitely it started off as something that was quite exciting to see these characters translated to the big screen and now mm. it's become something like there is it does sort of feel like the Disney printing press is just sort of like here's another one here's another one here's another mm. one um yeah, and I think I think that is being gem like I'm definitely in that sort of geeky nerdy culture and I'm definitely feeling the sort of large sigh that's coming along with it where it's there is some exhaustion with seeing the same thing over and over. Yeah. Well I think is when like especially Avengers when that first came out, that was mind blowing and like mm. everyone was talking about it. And now we're Well, I'm a big Joss Whedon fan anyway, so yeah. I'm yeah. just like, Hell yeah. Yeah. And, and then they wore him out. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Bastards. Um, yeah, and now you're kind of however many in. And again, they are great, entertaining blockbusters. Um, but it's not, as you say, it's not new. And I know there was mm. lots of... It doesn't feed the soul. Right. <laughs> um, I think everyone still cried at Endgame. Um, <laughs> True. Yeah. Was it Martin Scorsese, I think, that was, was talking? Oh, was, yeah. Yeah. Talk, giving, oh, giving yeah, that meme. Slightly, uh, slightly aggressive opinion on... I think, ah, I think it was... wasn't aggressive. I think it was Scorsese. He was yeah, yeah, it was saying definitely it's not Scorsese. Like, yep. Yeah, they're yep. not... And then, of... or was it Kubrick who ended up agreeing with him? It was somewhere with some other big yeah. director came to his aid, was like, yeah. I'm going to save you from the... It's it's terrible, though, when we've got... When we've got people in the industry of that calibre where those stories felt like it was a an attempt to actually get some attention by the mainstream media. The way in which it was framed was almost sort of like, we're still here, by the way. And that was quite painful, I think, for... I guess. I don't know. I don't think Scorsese needs any help. No, I... And I, I so I, I just can't see why... I think he was just... I think it, it's always the way the news is framed yeah. as well. Um, and I think the way that it was framed to appeal to the outrage culture that we live in yeah. is very much like, oh, he says that this isn't cinema. And everyone's like, oh, boo, Scorsese. <laughs> when actually what he was just saying is, you know, in terms of the definition of blah, it's yeah. like, of course it's still cinema because it's in a cinema, but it's like there are different terms. And very a lot of people, there's there like, people like to watch films and then filmmakers, filmmakers mm -hmm. that we talk about a lot um, in the industry. And I think it's in terms of Avengers and... Um, like the whole Marvel thing in particular, like as time has gone on, it's become more and more like a really, really big Saturday like afternoon cartoon. Yep, yeah, that's so fair. kind of more TV than it is fully formed films. Yeah, in terms of a beginning, middle, and end. Yes, they still have beginning and middle and ends, but it's more like a cliffhanger or yeah, the whatever. Carry and don't get me wrong, like it's not just Marvel movies that do this. There's like you know you have like the whole. I would call it the Harry Potter phenomenon in the sense of splitting a movie into two parts yeah. or stuff like that. Yeah. So whereas before we used to have movies that were four or five hours long, you now have two movies and then they can spend more time on it or make more merch to sell <laughs> uh, in the meantime until the second one comes out. And it's it happened with Hunger Games, it's happened with loads. And I think it's honestly to the detriment of yeah. those films a lot of the time, but it's because they want to stretch it out. They want to get more people in. They want to draw out the IP really as well so don't get me wrong I think especially with Avengers Endgame like what they've achieved I think is respected in the sense that they they made it work yeah but what it took to get there was a lot yeah. <laughs> 
and, and maybe too much. Yeah, I think it, I think it sort of. Oh my god! I, like a, an Avengers joke popped into my head, but it definitely it cost a lot. It for for the cinema industry, it was the case that people who were film goers found themselves going, "Well, I'm going to go out three times a year, and it's going to be to go and see this Disney hit." Yeah. Um, and I think it's become more difficult for. I'm trying to think of like big headline films of the last few years that have been able to contend at all. Like, um, Get Out did fairly well. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's a while ago now, but. I'm wondering how uh, the gentleman did. Oh, I have no idea. Actually, I didn't see that one. <laughs> uh, it was like really, really good. But um, I sort of, I'm, I'm thinking as well. Sort of, sort of going back to Scorsese briefly. Mm. Obviously, he needs to get the budget from Netflix for. Uh, is it The Irishman? Well, he didn't. I don't think it was a case of he needed to get it. It was more Netflix was like, "Hey, Scorsese, really like do you want to... do you want to make a movie?" He's <laughs> yeah. like, "Well, duh." Yeah. Um, they're like, "Here, have as much money as you want." So then he made The Irishman. Mm. Have you guys seen it? No. Uh, I went to see it at the cinema, and I will say I thought it was too long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's that thing where, like, if you like that kind of thing, so for instance, Keir really liked it, mm-hmm. but then he's a massive Scorsese fan, and it's interesting to me how, for instance, he would say, oh, well, it's not cinema, when, like, don't get me wrong, he's like a mastermind when it comes to, you know, some of his past work. Yeah. But in terms of containing um, a narrative, I'm not sure how well he did with that one. Okay. Just because the acting is fantastic, but it just goes on and on and there's loads of little plot threads and then you're following this person and then you're following this person and because I had to watch it all in one sitting as well, I just found myself going, right, what, who, how, who do I care about now? I just, and maybe that's just me being a bit daft. Um, But, and maybe it's just because I don't have that much of an attention span anymore. And I I thought, I was saying this to someone else the other day, I I thought, that maybe being able to watch it on Netflix instead, because come like what they do with Netflix now is they do they'll do a release in the cinema two weeks before it comes out yeah. online. Um, I was like, oh well, maybe if I watched it at home and I was able to take a break now and again, this would work. it would have been yeah. better. But then I did speak to someone who had that experience. They took a break in the middle and they still felt the same way I did. Yeah. So I think it's just a bit. I, I just you know. Sometimes you don't make good movies. That's also a thing. Yeah. And maybe he felt like he needed to make something more of that ilk, like yeah. the grand sweeping. Yeah. Who knows? But I think I think you can kind of look at the the landscape of cinema right now. And again, it that almost feels like it's strange for Martin Scorsese to potentially do something that is counterculture to basically kick up against what is mm. what is the norm. And because at the norm, the norm at this stage is here's one self-contained plot thread. You're gonna have a couple of quips along the way. You're gonna do the hero's journey. It's gonna be over. That's that's a a film ninety percent of the time. If you're talking that budget range, certainly in my experience. Mm. Um, so I think the idea of him sort of having sprawling plot, plot sort of threads, telling a very different kind of story, it is kind of weird to have someone at that level do something that is basically saying to what everyone else is doing, uh, almost a an institute that he's a pillar of sort of turning around and going no I don't want to do what you're doing I want to do my own thing and then when you have comments like his surfacing at the time that it did mm. to me it almost sort of says I'm a I'm a true I want to use the word auteur but I don't know if it's the, the right time to, to do it but I'm sort of I'm a proper filmmaker this is what a proper film looks yeah, like yeah I can see how it would read like that yeah um, 
I'm not sure he meant it with as much malice as has been interpreted. Right. Uh, I think he's just, you know, reading things as he sees, sees them. them. Yeah. Um, and he's like, clearly he just doesn't have that much interest in that part of the culture. Yeah. And he probably doesn't understand why people are quite so, so drawn to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I can't speak for him, but I just don't think it's like, oh, I'm better than you. Yeah. Like maybe a little bit, because yeah. I think it would be, be dishonest to say that it wasn't a little bit that, but it's not necessarily necessarily in the way that, oh, I'm better than you and you shouldn't exist. Yeah. You know, it was more a, in my opinion, this isn't cinema. Yeah. I, I like the opportunity to have conversations like this because I'm not in this world. I'm sitting mm. on the outside sort of staring in. Whereas sort of you've got a, a nice home in the world of like, in the world of creating beautiful pieces of, of cinema, of media, of, of just, you have a better understanding of the mindset. So now I can walk away instead of being like, Scorsese has been like, I, I don't think he's a he's dick. A dick. Yeah, well, kind of like, <laughs> just just in this one moment, it's just a bit like, why why are you being like this, man? And getting to have a genuine conversation with mm. someone else who can sympathise and empathise with the mindset. Is really I think helpful. I think ultimately, like, I think you can take this conversation to so many levels, though, where I'm always questioning headlines now, yeah. and I'm always like, you have to read the full article and then also look up, basically, like, and it's a lot of work. Don't get me wrong, and <laughs> yeah. most people don't do it, so. Most of the time, I don't really share things as much as I used to, mm -hmm. more in the sense that if I don't have a fully formed opinion about something, I don't think people will be very interested and I don't really think that I need to get into any fights about anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but ultimately, like, whether it's this or other things you hear about that I might not have as much of an understanding about, say, the music industry or something like that, like, I'll always try and, I guess, consider everything I know about what I know about and go, well, especially in, uh, it just, I don't know, it just boils down to news headlines always going for the negative. Oh yeah, because that's um, gonna make people click on it. Yeah, exactly. Simple. And to be honest, when I see stuff like that, yeah. not necessarily the Scorsese thing, but other things, yeah. um, I will actually go, you know what, I'm not gonna click on this because it's gonna be some bullshit. Um, and you know, the thing that it says it's gonna talk about is gonna be like two thirds the way down the, art yeah. the article yeah. in quotation marks. Um, and it's just gonna be some bullshit quote that they pulled out of one thing and it's out of context. Yeah, 100%. I literally have a t-shirt I wanna make mm -hmm. that's called, um, where it's about context and nuance is sexy. <laughs> I'm just gonna write that on a t-shirt yeah. and be like, yo, if you wanna have a con conversation, <laughs> yeah. we can have a conversation, but don't just like, yeah, just take these bold sentences that don't re don't really amount to anything, yeah. basically. To pretend that nuance isn't half for conversation is is insane. To sort of say, but they've said that again. It might be tongue in cheek. It might be sarcasm. Especially sort of speaking as someone from the UK, we uh, we tend to we tend to sort of lean into dry humour often. Mm. Oh, but yeah. Oh yeah. Which uh, if you just if you stuck a so a quote that was said in sarcasm into yeah. a headline, yeah. that person looks like a dick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, take take Twitter, Twitter, and like yeah. tweets. Like you have a Kevin Hart type. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, you tweeted this like yeah. five, we'll, seven, eight, we'll, whatever years ago. You have changed as a person, but also some stuff. And I'm not saying Kevin Hart in particular. I'm not mm. saying I condone what he said. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but I'm just giving an example. There's you know there's James Gunn as well who made the um the Guardians of the Galaxies mo Galaxy movies. Can't talk anymore. Um, <laughs> but he he got into a lot of trouble and stuff as well. And there's loads of examples of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it's the phrasing. Sometimes it's 
you know, if you were reading it in the context of eight years ago, it probably made more sense. The context is everything. Yeah. So I, th- I think so. Yeah. It's like you can you can read into all kinds of things, and you do have a new generation who don't understand the history necessarily yeah. of mm. <laughs> of everything. No, <laughs> uh, it's like I, I understand why they would question that and um, be kind of aggressive towards it as well because yeah. they're trying to establish their identities and you have to be mad about something um <laughs> but it just feels a lot of the time that people are mad about the wrong things yeah, yeah. that can be a, a, almost a personality trait all of its own some people's hobbies revolve exclusively around <laughs> making sure that they're sort of winning every war there is on facebook mm. and to, to my mind there are better ways to invest your time yeah um but but again, if that is that, there are just people who find self-validation that which is terrifying. Yeah, which is yeah, is understandable to an extent. But like, ultimately, like especially if you're criticizing people who create. Yeah. I think a really good way of dealing with hate and haters is yeah. to go, well, what has this person made? Yeah. Does this person even understand what goes into making something? Uh, where were they five years ago? What were they saying yeah. five years ago? All this kind of stuff. I mean, I feel like what I was saying before was a bit of a mess. Um, I don't know if you'll be able to use any of it. But I think ultimately it's very much... Of course, we are we are who... Where we've come from. Like, we are yeah. our past. But at the same time, it's the same way how I would say even in acting is like, you know, you'll often talk about backstory and all this kind of stuff. It's important to know where you've come from. But now we're faced with this idea of, you know, everything you've said and done and whatever in the past is on show. Yeah. Yeah. And if you try and hide it or it looks like you're hiding something, then that might be seen as not authentic. And I think there's a lot of stuff about being your authentic self and authenticity in general like in the media um so i think very much you know if you have someone looking back at tweets from i don't know why someone's looking at tweets from like eight years ago anyway i'm like i don't have purpose i don't have that time so clearly (laughs) you've gone out of your way to find these and dig up dirt and create a story or i don't know if you're getting money from it i mean good for you if you are to an extent but also kind of kind kind of a dodgy pastime um but you know people got to eat uh i guess um or at least in terms of it fulfills some part of them even if it's not monetary uh but yeah i think dealing with that kind of stuff when you are a james gunn when you are whoever um is just to to be like on a personal level is just to realize that ultimately you've just got to keep on going and make the best of it, whether you end up apologizing or you figure out what it is, what would be best. But for yeah. you personally, it's just best to kind of see where that criticism is coming from. And again, it's like that pinch of salt thing that we were talking about earlier in terms of the creative process as well. Um, not everyone's opinion is valid. Yeah, I think not to not to put on a tinfoil hat, but the kind of the way that companies and especially publications make money now is, is ad revenue, and that's, yeah. oh, that yeah. is king. Um, and so they need those clicks exactly 100%. I get that but so, I'm not going to give it to you yeah, <laughs> exactly so all of those arguments generally are all of the kind of controversy is sort of planned like you know yeah. that you can take an out of context quote ruin someone's career and also make a buck off the back of it yeah. mm. and who cares because everyone's going to share it and everyone's yeah. going to argue and it's just it's horrendous 
but it is what it is. So you can't, like you say, you can't always take it personally. Yeah. Um, I think I think this whole thing works on every level of the conversation we've had so far, though. When we're talking about there was a beginning and there is a journey that you're going to go through, you can either use that to sort of inspire other people, or you can try and hide it. But it's goddamn difficult. The best you can, if you can, have a control group rather than putting out to the whole world. That makes sense. But we are living in cancellation culture. Mm. So when you do have that's the scary thing. I mean, even talking about this now, I'm like. Maybe there's something I've said that's just like rancid or something, like without me realizing, or or language has moved on. Like yeah. that's another thing yeah. that you know is really important to take into consideration. So I don't think I have, but then probably all the people who have kind of had issues with cancellation probably have forgotten about what they said yeah. ten yeah. years ago because they're a different person and they wouldn't ever think of saying it in that same context yeah. Yeah. And, ever again. And contextually, <laughs> it may not have been said with malice at all. Oh yeah. But again, you you. Put it, take it out of the conversation, put it on paper 10 years later, yeah. and you look like a horrible human being. Mm. It's kind of like, well, it's very difficult to, to when you're being attacked by 100,000 people on social media, to be like, but this was the tone of the conversation, and these were the people I was talking to. Like, no, nobody cares. No, you're just being yelled yeah. at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At that point, like, first impressions already been made, yeah. and it's really hard to take that stuff back. It's, Sometimes, you know, a news outlet will even make a correction later, yeah. but by that time, the damage is done. Exactly. Yeah, you've got your, your headline front page, and then the corrections are sort of page 20 at the very bottom mm-hmm. corner, and that's sort of saying, oh, sorry, the last 20 headlines that we did weren't quite right, yeah. but... Oh, sorry, we dragged one. you through the dirt, um, but, you know, at the time, this is what our impression yeah. was, and... Yeah. James Gunn lost his job. Like, yeah. And just had to deal with it. Like, what, what was he going to do? Argue? He would have looked like an awful. He would have looked worse if he'd kicked back. He just had to put his hands up and be like, okay, fair enough. Decisions yep. made. I'm sorry. And obviously, he was very lucky because the whole cast kind of yeah, rallied around came him. Behind like, him. Yeah. That's not, this isn't really fair. Um, but that doesn't always happen. Like, yeah. often. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, Kevin Hart. I don't quite know what was said, but obviously he lost his job. As was it? Yeah, it was. It was um, he was saying homophobic comments yeah. in yeah. what I presume were meant to be jokes. And again, I don't have enough context. I just know that people were, you yeah. know, angry about it. Um, and so the, the the I guess the question is like, do you self censor once you've gone past a couple years? Like, mm. are you supposed to go back and yeah. like re? polish and remold yeah. your I guess like online footprint yeah um but yeah it's just a, it's just a lot yeah I think I think at that level it's like I hate to do this but Trump's a really good example because mm. it's the case that I, I saw uh Trevor Noah basically was publishing a book which is all of his tweets ever Trevor Noah. he's amazing um but once you get to a certain level I think there is a requirement to go back and if you just treat if you just treat your say Twitter account if you're using it prolifically then that's your archive of you even when you've left this world this will be here and this will be one of the many records that you existed it's worth just checking that that reads the way you want it to but there's an overhead with that but then again if you're not sure maybe you shouldn't have started there is Mm. there Mm. is yeah no I get that that makes sense I mean even you know you're talking on a podcast right now you might say things that you think make sense at the time but then maybe they come out wrong and then I'm already in my head, like, I'm going, oh, wait, did that sound wrong? Like, is someone going to at me or whatever, you know? It's like, it's really hard because you do want to say the right thing, but especially when you're literally just talking um, and it's being recorded, there is a lot of, like, weight to that because, again, people are going to assume that you meant what you said. Yeah. We did an episode uh, a while ago where we were talking about kind of inclusivity um, and... 
Oh yeah. The, yeah, the way the way the like diversity. Of, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The way the kind of the movie industry and the kind of entertainment industry has kind of mm. leaned towards that, and sometimes it can be a bit ham-fisted. And we were we were talking about it kind of with the best of intentions. Like this mm. is a very very positive thing. Yeah. But people that don't know us m- might have heard whether it's the words we've used, the term, the co- like, without kind of knowing us as people, might have been like, oh, it's just it's just two terrible human beings having mm-hmm. an ugly conversation. It's like it wasn't at all. Yeah. But even we were kind of like, we did we do okay with this? Yeah, we we sort of we spent as much time as we could trying to again promote something that we thought was not even not even like something that's not something that sort of should be revered and looked up to. It should like this should just be normal. This is my expectation is mm. everyone should be welcome to the mm-hmm. party. Yeah, um, but often more often than not, that's not yeah the reality yet. Yeah, and even in trying to summarize that. I, th- I personally spent half the time apologising. Yeah. yeah. Um, because... And I think sometimes it's hard because you feel like you're going into a situation and you're like, well, if I'm actually making a point, then do I need to like bullet point it or like pre-write it? And then yeah. is that going to sound false? Because yeah. I'm just like going blah, 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 because yeah. blah, blah, blah. And this is a Wikipedia article on blah, blah, blah. And here's my citation. You... And, yeah. Exactly. Like, and like where, yeah, where does the spontaneity come from anymore? Like, are we allowed to think for ourselves? Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. Is there an approved list of things that sort yeah. of you're allowed to talk, talk about and other things? It's sort of like that's that's mm. for someone else. The funny thing is you're always going to piss someone off. Oh, yeah. That, sure. That's the thing. But at the moment, oh, it was, um, I can't remember who did the TED Talk now. Yay, TED Talks. Yay. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was a case of talking about how, you know, Twitter used to be a thing where, you know, you could make people answerable for things and it was like a good feedback thing and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Whereas in the meantime it's kind of like a judgment panel where like, and I think even in terms of customer service or anything like that, like you look at Google reviews, all this kind of stuff, you piss one person off, it can have really, really bad ramifications. And I think it's kind of tricky how we kind of have to weirdly live in fear. And I think everyone, that counts for everyone because everyone's online, everyone's doing Instagram stuff, everyone's doing Facebook stuff, Twitter stuff, whatever. So you might be a businessman, say the wrong thing, or you might be in the film industry, you'll be an artist, you're like, oh, do I have to self-censor? But then you seem too polished and not real, and ah, it's just weird. Earlier we very briefly sort of talked about not just the the notion of offending people, this was sort of before we started recording, but just about sort of the world of acting and modelling, and about potentially you get asked to do things, and you may disagree with them. And then it's not even a case of offending someone it's just not following their strict orders and mm. then you also have the same potential of maybe not reviews but word of mouth yeah you have to constantly keep everyone the happiest they could possibly be yeah if you want to play the game with absolutely everyone this is always a constant power struggle and yeah. i think that i'm not even saying that people having power on twitter to voice their opinion is necessarily a bad thing it's just again there's so often a lack of context yeah um, or nuance, respectively. Um, but it's also good in the sense that, say, for instance, with modelling and acting, when someone has power over you and is essentially directing you, or yeah. is the photographer and therefore directing you, mm-hmm. is yes, they do have power over you to an extent, and they have power over you in the room. Yeah. But it's up to you what you do in the room and what happens after. I think there is a little bit more safety now for someone who is in that kind of context than there was before. And it does take a lot of work. It's not to say that, you know, everyone's believed either. 
But I yeah. think there's just like, I think there is more of a power struggle between, you know, shall we say the general pub public and those people who are seen as those in power or specialists or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know. Obviously we've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but <laughs> um, I do think it's really fascinating. And there's pros and cons to everything. It's the same way that, you know, some people are like, oh my God, technology and the internet is the worst. And you're like, yeah, but is it though? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that we've all been able to achieve that we wouldn't have been able to achieve even 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that in itself is a whole conversation. It's like, there's so many sort of terrible things out there, but there's, there's just everything out there. And if you, if you sort of think that it's the wild west. <laughs> yeah. And, but if you think, if you think that exposure to information mm. is a, bad thing no. that in itself I think even if it's problem. wrong yeah <laughs> well not wrong but like not written with even if it has an agenda and there's yeah. not you know it's up to you you have to realize that not everything that's out there is real yeah that's the main thing it's like with deep fakes yeah. um you know those videos where basically for those who don't know where you can now take a video of say jeremy corbyn or any other politician and essentially you know make up some text get an uh, you know an impressionist to do that text which will then sound a lot like him and most people won't question it yeah. and then you can get the mouth his mouth to move exactly <laughs> the way for those words to come out and it's just it's really creepy but it's also kind of amazing yeah um so it just depends on how you view it as long as you know that that's a thing then you're okay but then you also kind of go, well, what is real anymore? Yeah. So you're kind of like, hmm, what's going to happen in the next 10 years? <laughs> no idea. But I think really the best approach is to just question everything. <laughs> but I, th I think that sort of in terms of empowering yourself with knowledge and having this information, you again can make more informed decisions. And yeah. I was just sort of thinking about your understanding of sort of power in situations and, and the way that you can empower people to say, give their best performance or you can make people feel small and affect them long term and potentially sort of crush their dreams oh, yeah. or worse. Yeah. I think taking that from both sides of the table, taking that as an actor and as a director, that's got to be incredibly powerful for you to be able to bring out the best in everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. It's like ultimately you just got to really see your fellow human beings and respect them for what they do. And if there's something you don't understand, then you can always ask. Yeah. So it's like, just be open and like, don't assume that you're always in the right either. Um, so it's, it's really all about empathy and some people just lack empathy, which yeah. is, I always find really weird because I just can't, does, does, does not compute like how someone could just go, yeah, whatever, fuck them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, so like, I've, I've always found it really useful um, knowing the acting process because my god especially if you're doing a monologue or something like that it's really stressful mm -hmm. and you know that there is and there isn't limited time but generally you feel like there's always limited time yeah gotta get this take absolutely definitely well and you know everything's built up to that point and like all that it takes now is for you to be able to deliver your lines yeah. in the way that they need to be delivered um so because i understand that i'm often very understanding um and I'm quite open about that and say, look, it's fine. Don't worry. I want to give you, I want to make you feel as relaxed as possible, basically, yeah. so that you feel like you're doing it in your living room, except you're doing it for real. Because that's when you get the best performances anyway, is when people are relaxed. But because you're on set with all the makeup and all the stuff going on, like it's really hard to fabricate that. And to be honest, a lot of it is just about being careful with yourself and like, 
building in good practice and not leaving everything up to the last minute, which is something that I will do. Um, but it's, it's more it's more fun if you take the time, um, but also take care of yourself uh, because that's the hardest thing. Sometimes you're just like, no, no, I just got to keep working, working, working. Um, when really, like, as much as I don't, I'm not one of these like, oh, self care yoga people. <laughs> as, as it's part of it though. Like, yeah. as much as you're kind of like, oh, that seems a bit wanky is honestly like taking a breather and doing something that as you were saying earlier is removed from your work or takes you out of that headspace for a bit even if you're struggling with a creative problem you're trying to come up with i don't know you're trying to come up with a new name for a pasta brand um and you're just going it's got nothing and so reading a book on creativity wouldn't you know Mm -hmm. um but you know they were kind of saying how you think of the problem that you want to solve and then you go away and you do, I don't know, just like a puzzle or something that takes up your brain space where you can't be thinking about it actively. Yeah. You would be surprised how much more creative you are when you come back from that because your brain has actually been working in the meantime, even if you haven't been aware of it. Yeah. Whereas if you force someone to sit down, this is a study they did, if you force a group of people to sit down and come up with, you know, pasta brands, mm-hmm. they will just come up with you know the first things that come into their head whereas if you give people a little bit more time a little bit more freedom a little bit more space yeah uh, in their head then it does actually really really work um yeah so i recommend that (laughs) i was gonna kind of pull this away and be like let's move away from cancel culture because it's horrible (laughs) uh, this world that we live in yeah and like also the thing with cancel cancel culture just very quickly is it kind of does the opposite of what it's trying to do I think it's trying to kind of protect people mm. and it's trying to to be like well you know you shouldn't be mean to people which is fine yeah um and you know you shouldn't say this and you shouldn't say that and it's kind of well you end up sort of ruining lives anyway yeah this... and you kind of end up starting these arguments that maybe didn't need to be started and trial by facebook often sort of one you'll get sort of potentially individuals let's say their career is is ruined or at least stifled for a certain amount mm. of time but then also you'll find that rabid fans potentially start kicking back against the victim in the first place. Yeah. Mm. There is definitely... Which puts the victim through more than they need to go through. Yeah, which is part of the reason, I think, and again, I, I'm, I'm definitely not the right person to be speaking about it, but I think it's part of the reason that people find it difficult to come forward is because potentially they're all the way yeah. In, the, yeah. in the spotlight. And like I said, people... There's quite a few people out there who aren't particularly nice, and there's some people who do spend their time and their favourite pastime might just be it's dick to people. Yeah. yeah, literally. Yeah, just being a dick. Yeah, and I think if you're in a vulnerable place, then experiencing that is mm. yeah, just adds unnecessary kind of pain. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway, we're not going to fix talk- that today. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's still talk about how horrible the human race is. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> talk about films. So Yay, films. Um, we kind of dived into this without kind of giving you an opportunity to give any backstory. We just kind of launched and started talking. Like, hey, how's it going? Right. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, it's all good. So for, for anyone who doesn't kind of know you previously. Yeah, so um, I'm a filmmaker, so I directed and produced films. Um, I've also done acting, trained in acting. And uh, yeah, just generally can do various jobs around films yeah. anyway, because you got to make it work, especially <laughs> when you get no money. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's all about building Um and I think that's what we've really started to do. Um, so my husband and I have a production company together now called Hydraholics. Uh, and as part of that, 
we've made lots of short films previously but we've only really started like trying to get into the film uh, festival circuit properly as the last two three years Mm. and really building relationships and stuff like that and one of the films that we made as part of this is we're both really huge like horror fans Mm -hmm. uh we like films like the thing you know the classics <laughs> uh, and just body horror in general but things that are quite psychological in nature as well um, which is why I like stuff like Get Out as well because there's a message behind stuff yeah. A Wretch I will say which was our short film that we made recently we were like we you know we made we, we really like horror but we haven't actually made a horror film yet so yeah. we should probably do that um, Wretch doesn't have much of a backstory <laughs> I will say that but it's very much about the ride and because it's only four minutes long ultimately so it's very much about the ride and the intensity and the tension and the effects, but also just like giving a sense of a world without going into too much detail because you don't have enough time with short films anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's essentially about a girl who rips her skin off. That's how we usually summarize it without <laughs> giving too much away. Yeah. Um, and the great thing with it is that, so that um, got into about so it's 31 film festivals, I think at this point and won best horror short in brazil at cine fantasy Amazing. Uh, so that was really cool it's had a couple nominations along the way and we're just really proud of how it worked out even though uh, you know it was made for not a lot of money mm-hmm. um it's made quite uh, an impression i think and it's just really nice to have something that we cared about so much like be seen because it's, it's really easy for things to just fall by the wayside and not get seen at all so um, what's even better is that it's actually coming online um, at the beginning of March, on March 4th. Amazing. Um, so it's actually been premiered by uh, a company called Alter. So it's watchalter.com. So it's coming on uh, March 4th at 8am Pacific time. Um, <laughs> so a bit later in the day, I think, for us. I always get it the wrong way around. It's LA, basically. It's yeah. LA. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's when people can watch it, which is really cool. Um, it's just really short and hopefully quite fun and um, we've had some reviews and stuff as well and what's been quite good is that uh, people don't really give away what happens yeah. at a certain point just because you know we want more people to see it today. Absolutely. Um, but uh, it's good because it means that you know plenty more people than, film, than the people that were at the film festivals will see it as well and that's where online and internet stuffs is really useful because yeah. You know, you go to film festivals, you maybe each screening is max like 150 to 300 people, mm-hmm. whereas you can reach millions online, which is kind of insane. Yeah. And there's well, like, everyone's be... seen a little short. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. That was going to be my next thing is just say, like, every time I see a poster for Retro, I always see these just more and more kind of like the film festival. The laurels. Just, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, that's the intention, darling. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just, it's cool to see, as you say, kind of like you guys kind of did it yourself mm. um, and to see it kind of get this just love like internationally yeah. as well um is is just like awesome um and going back to our initial conversation about how a lot of people get very mad at technology and they kind of find all the negatives in it and it's like but without that access without that freedom that wouldn't have happened and the amount of people that saw your film wouldn't have been able to see it without x y and z kind yeah. of well uh, things just change don't they yeah. and the only thing that's constant is change yeah. so it's a case of you probably could do it a different way if you wanted to, but this is easier. So why wouldn't you? Yeah. And um, yeah, especially in terms of online platforms, I think uh, even Netflix like had that collection of shorts, um, which was, was it called? Sex 
Love, Death and Robots. Love, Death and Robots. I'm literally re-watching that as we speak. Amazing. Yeah, 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 I love that. That's it, isn't it? Is I'm always like, oh yeah, I love, Death and Robots. And immediately goes, sex, death and robots. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost the same thing. Um, but yeah, so like that short form content. And I think in terms of what we were talking about, in terms of like attention span, I will say that I'm probably someone who, because there's so much available, yeah. it's very easy to just go, I can't be bothered, can't be bothered with this. I'll go watch this shorter thing. And I think videos are getting shorter and shorter. Yeah. Uh, but it does mean that there is a little bit more of a, uh, a market for short form content as well. And I think the misunderstanding that comes with short films sometimes is that people are like, oh, shorts are the building block that I need to make in order to be able to go make features. That is very much true. Mm. However, that does not mean that short films can't also be their own art form and be done well. Yes. And there are a lot of bad shorts out there, <laughs> more in the terms of like where they don't have a beginning, middle and end. And making a beginning, middle and end in a short film is really hard. Yeah. Like, cause with a feature film, you can have a little bit more stuff of like, oh, someone's looking out the window. And it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But they might, might just be thinking, but it's about them as a character. And you're like, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. But I don't have time for that <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's it depends on what kind of filmmaker you are as well and all that kind of stuff. But I very much come from the background of pretty much everything needs to exist for a reason. Mm. Because I know you don't have the time. I know I don't have the time. Yeah. So let's make it happen and make everything count, yeah. basically. Um, now, for us, it is about, you know, eventually building to feature film. And the good thing with the with alter picking up wretch is that they um are looking into developing it as a feature so that's really exciting because you know again the reason that they saw the short in the first place is because someone went to our london short film festival screening at least i think that was when they saw it they didn't actually mention but i'm pretty sure it was london short film festival yeah um and they just saw it and they were like oh just wondering you know whether the rights are still available for this and even once we'd signed with them We've still had like a couple people, quite a few people actually like email in and go, oh, I just saw this, had got into this festival, so blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, I see how this works now. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like before it was a little bit less accessible um, and it can feel a bit impe uh, impenetrable um, sometimes, but it's all about the build and it's all about going for it and taking opportunities where you can um, and just trusting that someone somewhere will believe in your film as much as you do. Yeah. <laughs> that's the hope anyway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, so that's happening. And so I produced that one and Kia directed and wrote that. And then we've got another short film that we've just finished um, called Portrait, which talking about consent and, you know, power play and all this kind of stuff. It's actually about, uh, it's a docu-fiction about um, inappropriate behavior by photographers what? and how not, you know, how not all abuse is physical how it can sometimes be psychological and build and, you know, effectively, eventually grind someone down and can destroy their lives kind yeah. of thing. And how you need to call people out for this stuff, but what the best way to do that is. Because in this particular case, we have a model who, talking about trial by Facebook, is essentially doing um, a live Facebook video of the session she has with this photographer. Mm -hmm. And she's coaxing certain things out of him that, so she's had, She's been doing interviews with models who have shot with him before and are telling her all these horrible stories. And he does, play by play, do exactly what they said he was yeah. going to do. Yeah. 
So on the one hand, she's coaxing him, but on the one, on the other hand, he's still being a terrible human being. Yeah. But it's like on that level of, well, if she was cool with it, it would be okay. But if it's not, and like some of it isn't, yeah, it's, it's really, it's kind yeah. of, it's, it's very much about the gray area yeah. um, and how that plays out. Um, and again, about the crazy world we live in. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, so that's that'll be really interesting to see how that goes down. And it's shot in a really particular style as well, so it's quite stylish, while still being kind of more documentary. Yeah. But in a sort of more like creative, like not creative way, but like not in your uh, standard, I don't know, the office style thing, <laughs> yeah. doing crash zooms and stuff. It's a little bit more serious than that, I guess. <laughs> Um, so that's really exciting, and then um, I'm working on the next short I want to direct. So I produced Portrait, and Kia directed and directed and wrote that one as well. Um, but there's a film called Stage Fright, which is a dance horror comedy, um, Amazing. <laughs> uh, very much inspired by films like Suspiria and Climax. Yeah. Um, but mostly those films because they're kind of horrorish and there's dance in it and I just love both of those things. <laughs> I like anything where like, you know, a woman can be strong physically, mm -hmm. but there's still a lot going on inside. Yeah. And uh, basically the the whole idea behind it is it's a contemporary dance performance um, that turns into a death match because one of the uh, performers ends up turning into a zombie and trying to eat her so you know you know how that goes yeah absolutely. Um, <laughs> but the com comedy elements come from like everything that's happening around the performance so the uh the audience very much think this is all part of the show so they're not helping her yeah and in in the meantime there's like these two hipsters who are like money making fun of everything and it's just kind of that interplay of all those different levels nice. so it's probably be about 10 minutes i reckon yeah. But that's kind of like another way that we want to, you know, essentially keep our relationships uh, alive with the festivals that we got into as well and go, this is our next thing, yeah. um, which will then hopefully, hopefully open the door for, uh, you know, when we then do finish whatever feature comes first, we can go, now we have a feature. Yeah. Remember us. <laughs> yeah. We do things you like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the plan. But it's cool as well, the fact that all three of these, although I suspect there'll be a degree of practical effects that comes over from Wretch into into the sort of the the the, the, the actual one more time dance horror comedy, oh, amazing. Um, but I think it will also showcase the fact that although you have love for all these genres, you are not going to be pigeonholed into any mm, of them. Yeah, yeah. Which is on the one hand great, but mm. on the other hand a curse because sometimes people are like, but now you make horror films and just horror films. Yeah. And you're like, well, not really. Here's a completely different thing. Um, and I think, I think in terms of those, <laughs> sorry, my stomach just crumbles. Um, I, I think in those terms of things, like Kier in particular, very much works in the way that Steven Soderbergh, for instance, has lots of different types of films that he does. So he might be doing crime with Ocean, Ocean's Eleven, yeah. or he might be doing horror, well, psychological horror with um, the film with Claire Foy in it. His name, I can't remember. Ah. Uh, but basically he started, you know, exper experimenting more with like shooting films on iPhones and all this kind of stuff, um, which is more auteur I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that even though we like making genre films it's more of the ilk of going into sort of a more commercial practice mm -hmm. um while still sneaking in bits of like weirdness yeah 
where we'll be like, maybe maybe people will like it. We'll see. But it's the packaging. Yeah. The packaging really helps. Uh, I was going to say this about, um, I think it's a bit, I think it's, um, I think it's a shame how in terms of like trying to get people to watch films, sometimes trailers are made to make a film look like it's a pure horror, mm-hmm. which does appeal to more people, I guess, than say a filmmaker's film like even um, Midsommar or uh, the other one I can think of is Hereditary. Those have both happen to be Ari Aster films. But the way that they were marketed was very much like, it's a horror movie, go see, it's going to be creepy. Whoa, Yay. jump scares, whoa. And then it's not that <laughs> at all. And I, I find that detrimental because yeah. ultimately like, sure, okay, you've got some money, but you also pissed off a lot of people. Yeah, the word of mouth on that one would be like, well, I came for this specific thing because this is what I yeah. like. Yeah, I, I try not to watch trailers, genuinely. Like, yeah. There are some trailers that are amazing and sometimes you just happen to see them in the cinema anyway and you're like, oh, I'm really glad I saw that trailer, but I try and steer away most of the time because a lot of trailers give way too much away. Yeah. If you want to watch a really great t- trailer, watch the trailer for Tenet, which is, or Tenet, whatever you want to call it. It's, mm-hmm. It reads, it's a, um, it reads the same way forwards as it does backwards, basically. Um, which is the new Christopher Nolan movie that's coming out. Can you tell that I really want to watch this film? Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's yeah, it's just, it's really exciting yeah. without you knowing what the hell any of it means. Yeah. And you're like, well, now I want to know. And that, like, to, that to me is what trailers should be like. Mm-hmm. Rather than, I would, we'll take you bit, th- bit by bit, snippet for snippet through the film and yeah. you'll... Because I'm like, I can see where this is going before yeah. I've even seen the things. Like, why? Yeah, there's no object. Because one of the sort of best, one like certainly for me, I really enjoy the idea of sort of going through the journey and maybe just trying to get just like a few frames ahead of the film. Like, can I see where this is going? But if you've already seen the whole thing, mm. you lose the ability to be, to have your own imagination run while you're yeah. watching. Yeah, well, that's it. It's all about trusting your audience yeah. a little bit. And like, I know that can be hard because you want to you wanna kind of like guide them. Yeah. And you can guide them in certain ways, but... You're never going to be able to control, like the people who listen to your music and or watch your films. It's just not possible. <laughs> like, so you might as well just make what you want to make, and say, yeah, I told it the way I wanted to tell it, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to go back to the kind of having other people's hands in the project. So, mm. like, if you know, if a studio does kind of front you two hundred million to make a film, mm-hmm. like they really want that money back. Like, so you can't you can't maybe take as many kind of creative risks as you would like to. And having a kind of vague trailer that kind of maybe piques people's interest isn't an option. Like, you have to show all the car flips, all the explosions, the superhero toppling the building. You just kind of have to, and those mm. are the rules. Um, and as you say, like, you, you kind of, you watch a five minute trailer and you're like, well, I feel like I've seen everything. Mm. <laughs> the worst thing is when they give all the jokes away, yeah. all the best jokes. Yeah. And then it's like, they happen and they're still kind of funny, but if there's like no more jokes yeah, than that, like, that's a let down as well. Because yeah. you get excited for, yeah, you get excited for the film going, oh, this is going to be really funny. And then you're like, oh, those were the best jokes and they didn't have any more jokes. Yep. And now I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we might be talking about the MCU again, maybe. Just on... Oh, uh, yeah, like a little bit. But I was <laughs> just thinking about... Um, Ah, the movie where Rock... I'm terrible with names. Keir would be so much better. This is I rely on him for these things. Uh, but it's The Rock and Jason Statham, Hobson Shaw. Yep. There you go. Don't know why I had to say their names before it came, but there you go. <laughs> um, but that that was a case where there were just like 
some really good jokes in there and then it was just a case of when you were watching the movie you were kind of like yep tick yep <laughs> tick. did that one cool yeah oh yep. that really cool scene in the uh, corridor yep okay not as surprising anymore because you've already shown it to me yep uh and i just i just i don't like it <laughs> Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's fair, and I think that's pretty a very common sentiment. I, I thinking about it, the promotion for a short film has got to be obviously you've got the poster and you've got the accolades that go mm. with it, but in terms of that promo, you must be able to show just a, a fraction. So, mm. so it is a true appetizer rather yeah. than here are my plot beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with us, like we we quite like making trailers, even when the short film is only four minutes long which yeah. you're kind of like why are you making a trailer for a four minute long movie but it's even in terms of like the stuff we put in our show reels like mm-hmm. that gives a taste of what's to come aka hey mr agent do you want to see more yeah right to me i'll send you the film yeah rather than going oh this is literally everything because sometimes seeing the actual thing it's not like it's disappointing but you're kind of like oh okay that's what it is yeah and, and like absorbed that That's, mm, yeah and um even with the trailer like it's like a 20 second build up thing basically to the title crashing mm-hmm. in but it gives away nothing yeah. apart from there's going to be some nasty nasty skin ripping <laughs> probably um but yeah like where it goes no 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 one no one knows until they know which is always really fun one of the great things that um when alter wrote to us about the film they said what we really love doing is just like sending the film randomly to people in the office <laughs> just to like yeah. relive that initial yeah. viewing through them and like surprising it with it yeah and like i i just love i love that sentiment and i was like oh i'm really glad we've kind of made like i guess like not like a meme but like <laughs> a, th- a thing that you can kind of pass along yeah. and it's just a bit of fun that can break up your day yeah and, and again just th- there's, there's like this, I'm not sure if assurance is the word I want for it, but there's something about the fact that they know that they'll pass it on to someone else and they'll get exactly the intended reaction. Yeah. Is, I, I think in terms of in terms of compliment, there can't be too many greater than that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of how we were like, um, one of the things that Keir struggled with initially making it was we did try to get backing for it, but people just didn't really get it get on it, yeah. paper. Yeah. Um, but then now that we've made it and you know, sitting in the audience with people watching it as well, you're just like, oh my God, we get it, yay! (laughs) And I think there is that element of feeling understood and like when something lands, it's just very like validating, um, again for the soul. Uh, But yeah, it's like, and that's why it's worth continuing to push, I think, because being able to, I don't want to say influence, there's probably a better word for it, but influence people in a positive way. Yeah. Um, and getting a reaction out of them is kind of the whole point, I think. Yeah. I think sort of thinking about portrait, I think that's mm. going to be, you're going to be tackling a very a difficult conversation. And I think by using the medium, by showing the step by step and by sort of guiding people's journey through it, you can, you can show something without having a sit down chat. You can, mm. you can give something a bit more it's it again it's happening for all the senses so i think having a guided again it's not it's not so much about steering their thinking as such mm. it's about presenting the information yeah and then hopefully you take a a similar journey and find that you have similar mindsets yeah and that there are no wrong answers yeah. either um i think we're more interested in like the gray area with that where it's a case of it's not about picking sides necessarily. It's mm. more about having the chat. Yeah. 
yeah. it's more about talking to your friends about it and figuring out what how you feel about it and they're all yeah perspectives because i know we were talking about validity earlier um that all perspectives are valid but it doesn't mean that all perspectives apply yeah um all the time and there's a lot that goes into the creation of a human being and why they end up doing what they do um yeah i don't know yeah. and that's it it's like oh, portrait sounds really vague by comparison so it's quite funny having something that's quite straightforward with wretch yeah. but that's because we've always seen it as a ghost train um that's kind of how we sell it is we're kind of like you know you get your ticket you get yeah. in you're in we'll for a ride <laughs> see you on the other side have a good one bye yeah. um and there's there's a place for all of that i think and i think again we do also want to make serious movies so we went we went and made a serious movie uh mostly because the story needed to be told as well because we have so many friends who go through that and it's not just models it's any time power is in play yeah like you can apply it to all kinds of situations yeah um and then really i'd say that the question from it is like well, what are you going to do about it are you just going to be complacent or you're actually going to do something about it when you are faced with yeah. injustice basically like there's, there's no way of me saying this out loud without sounding a bit like oh, okay but the, <laughs> but we ourselves we're just we're just all a collection of experiences so it is the things that we see the things that we have been exposed to and again if you sort of show somebody something like this this and they have the opportunity to think about it and then hear other people's opinions and take on the ones that they think aligns with them then potentially if they do see that situation it's not something that's happening straight away we were talking about prep time earlier yeah it's not something that is sort of suddenly like here you are what are you gonna do don't panic it's gonna be something like you know in yourself this is who you are this is how you're gonna react to do it react yeah. i mean i think it's all about you know not being that deer in the headlights basically because yeah. they say silence is complacence as well to an extent um and i think the more you can bolster someone's confidence enough to be able to speak up no matter what con like context it is in yeah. um the better because uh i i mean for me personally for instance like i used to be it's like that thing where, like anytime i meet someone at a party or whatever i'll say oh you know i'm an introvert and they'll laugh in my face they're like no you're not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're, we're agreeing yeah. um it's like no, I'm just really interested in people and at the moment I'm interested in you and that's why I'm talking to you about it. But mm. um, yeah, no, so basically what I was trying to say um, is just in terms of like bolstering people and giving them this sense that they can stand up for themselves is like really important to me in particular because I remember when, like even when I was 18 still, I'm really, I really wasn't the person who I am now. and it's again your experiences and if you contribute to the experiences of a person that can help them express themselves better if they feel understood i think that's a really powerful thing yeah agreed yeah art art is very important in that sense it's like you might even not you might not even realize what triggers you know a, a certain set of events but we're constantly like um especially now we're taking in a lot of information all the time but sometimes getting someone to sit down and watch a film or listen to it like truly listen to a track yeah. um you just never know what's going to resonate with someone and all you know is like what you want to say and you know what story you want to tell and you 
kind of just want to share that experience in order to help others really and find your community yeah 100% I think uh, I keep jumping back to this this episode about comic books but um, obviously you and the the guy we had on a guy called Bub um, both had pretty passionate you were both very very big Spider-Man fans mm-hmm. and the those Sam Raimi films came out and you both had very differing opinions but they were the same film yeah. they're exactly the same movie yeah. um, and yet it meant so much to him and it was for different reasons it was a disappointment to you it doesn't change the film the film yeah. is exactly the same from top to bottom but I think a lot of artists need to kind of get that into their head that like the way you perceive it is not the way a single anyone else will ever mm. receive that that you know that film that track that book whatever everyone everyone will receive it differently and like yeah. books I think we had this conversation recently we were talking about like as a as a writer you create a world and then you hand that off to someone else and then they rebuild that world themselves they yeah. see people's faces in their head differently they yeah. perceive context differently they they connect with different things um, and I think if you kind of beat yourself up trying to get it perfect yeah every single time like you're just destined to fail I was literally going to say the same thing because yeah. as a self self-professed like perfectionist as well it's like it's really easy to just keep going keep going keep yeah. going on something when it's actually already done yeah um and like keep thinking oh but someone might hear this little drop of something and go oh the whole film's ruined <laughs> and you're like no they're not going to do that and they're they're only going to see it once they're only going to hear it once so it's like it's all about first impressions and as long as you've got your main beats right i think you're you're all right and like really the best thing you can do is move on to the next thing to get better because you've already learned your lessons yeah. from that particular thing and the best thing you can do for yourself and for other people is to actually share it if you're ready to share it yeah, yeah i am um, i use this this line all the time and it's such a cliche but a project is never completed it's just abandoned yeah <laughs> and you can you can you can reapply that to a script a film yeah, 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 book, album whatever like, my work just yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's abandoned so it can lead its own and best life yeah yes. and, and abandoning it is not a, not necessarily a bad thing like mm. it's you know Abandoned does sound a bit like forlorn, yeah. but um, I, I get the Kick gist. Kick out the door, it's done. <laughs> but um, done goodbye. Is yeah, done is better than perfect. That's yeah, kind of like yeah. So. yeah, I think so. And it's you can just sort of sit there and fine tune and fine tune and fine tune, and then no one will ever see it ever. And then there will be some lessons that are only available to you once you do get some extra eyes on it. So it could be the case that it's just like nearly ready, three, four more, four mm. more years. Either they don't see it or you bring it out like, I don't know, two, three years after you actually finished it and yeah. your passions run out for it and yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, I hate this thing now. And you know, you've kind of lost the train. Yeah. Like you, you've missed the train a bit on it and you're kind of going, oh, but like, where are the people who cared about this two years ago? Yeah. And you're like, oh people move on I'm surprised there's a degree of relevance and there's also one thing it's, it's such a it's such a minute thing but something we bump into every now and again is if you say you're working on a song and that song was written two years ago and it's got a chorus and it's sort of named after that someone in that two year period releases another song in your sort of in your world in your genre with the same song title mm. no it's like you can't no. have that one anymore <laughs> yeah, 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 because yeah. you've been sat on it for so long yeah yeah no um, totally yeah I, think... I came up with a song title once I don't even make music I came up with a song title and lo and behold two months later Hayden Panettiere came up with a song with the same title and I was like 
she stole it from my brain. <laughs> and you're like, maybe it just wasn't actually that good a song title. But, you know, it's like, you want to come up with universal stuff, yeah. you're going to have some overlap. Yeah. And it feels a bit uncanny, but, like, it happens. <laughs> yeah. And again, I think I, there is definitely, to my mind, the, the joy in creating something is the engagement from other people. It is sort of getting that opportunity to maybe enrich someone's life, but also maybe just kind of just make something fun exactly that oh yeah which is exactly what wretch is for instance it's yeah. like sometimes because sometimes people were like but what does it mean and you're like well <laughs> i mean it can mean whatever you want it to mean yeah. i guess you but tell me <laughs> we we you you tell me what it means to you like yeah. there's no right or again there's no right or wrong answer we just wanted you to have fun um so we made this yeah so that's what we made <laughs> i think it goes back to the conversation about like uh, Instagram has kind of made people believe that everything they have to do has to be the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And I think with a lot of art as well and, and kind of creative mediums, people think that it has to have this multi-layered deep thing. And it's mm. like, you could just enjoy doing it. Like, like Michael Bay films, like perfect example. Like, there's no there's no deep kind of political statement in those films. I'm just, I reckon there is something like, there's a really important underlying plot thread about the human condition that we've just missed. Yeah, the guy's just, actually, the, actually really, really deep. He's but, um, mastered the explosions. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with, try not to be distracted, my dog just scratching away. Um, same with, with kind of pop music as well. Like, it can just be enjoyable. It mm. can just be entertainment. It doesn't need to be as deep as this other thing, you know. Yeah. Comparing like, I don't know, Ariana Grande to Pink Floyd and throwing your toys out because pop music's it's not this it's not what it used you know music's yeah. not the same as it used to be and it's like well it doesn't have to be yeah like, sometimes oh. the curtains are just blue this is yeah. this is like yeah, this the go to I like that yeah <laughs> it's like it doesn't mean anything <laughs> um, but but yeah the, the funny thing is you, you say that and but at the same time as someone who listened to a lot of pop when I was younger yeah. for instance it's like you do latch on to certain sentiments with things and like a song will become a lot more important than it was probably ever intended to be yeah. by the origin by the originator but you go oh well i really like this tune and it just makes me feel happy and that's also a great thing yeah. and yeah. you being able to bring that joy to someone's life is really powerful 100 and you you do find that a lot and it's almost going back to the scorsese conversation where it's kind of like I guess his perception of like Star Wars and Avengers is kind of the same way maybe some music connoisseurs might perceive pop music where it's mm. just oh it's just you know bright colors and entertainment it's like but if it makes you feel something and like I know I know how good I feel watching the Marvel films like does it matter like does it matter if maybe at the beginning it didn't have this kind of deep underlying kind of emotional theme but I connected with it or someone connected with it or, you know, it helped someone who was going through a bad time, yeah. gave them two, two and a half hours of kind of just... Levity and... Some, yeah, yeah, just joy. And then maybe that made their day and then maybe their next day was good It was a little well. bit easier. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. There are different levels of entertainment and yeah. some days you just need a comedy that doesn't make you question anything yeah. and you can just enjoy and sit back and veg out. Maybe you don't veg out. It's also allowed. <laughs> um, and sometimes you want to watch a dark crime drama and everyone wants to watch serial killer stuff anyway. So like, <laughs> what do I know? They're like, I'm not as bad as them, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like you never know what people are going to get enjoyment out of. So just do it. Just do it. Just do the thing. Just do it. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. Yes. <laughs> awesome. 
Cool. I think I think that's that's pretty natural. Yeah. Conclusion. I think. Yeah. yeah. Thank Sweet. you very much. You're very welcome. It was great to chat to you guys. We got very deep at one point. <laughs> yeah. That that never happens to me. <clears throat> if people want to find you. Uh, yeah, so if you want to find me, I am Alex with an I. So that's not Alexi, which a lot of other people have said. This is A-L-I-X uh, dot Austin, as in Austin Powers or Austin, Texas. Uh, that's for Instagram. And then hydroholics.com is our website where you can find our lovely trailers and everything that's coming up and uh, festival tours, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, look forward to seeing you around. And feel free to drop me questions as well if you have any. And it's March the 4th for Wretch, right? Yes, that's the one. Right, that's it from us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ciao for now.